Thanks for tuning in to The Neutral Zone, presented by Freeze the Puck Hockey. On this episode, we discuss notable first-time eligible players for the Hockey Hall of Fame, potential rule changes to overtime, we also look at teams that have had off-season and in-season coaching changes, and see where they stack up, and a few other things that have happened over the past week. Is there a topic you'd like for us to discuss? We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us via email at neutralzonetopics at gmail.com, or you can message our Facebook page at facebook.com slash freeze the puck hockey. And now, on to the show. This is the Neutral Zone. This is Jesse. I am the Rangers admin for the page, and I go by the hashtag CriedsMeARiver. And this is Brett, the Florida Panthers admin, and I go by All Barkov, No Bite. This is Cass. I'm your favorite Bruins admin, and I go by NeverEnding Pasta. I'm Tyson. I'm the Penguins admin, and I go by the uh, hashtag Gensylvania. Ethan is out this week. I believe he is at a game, is he not? Must be nice. He's doing something. He's doing something a lot more fun than hanging out with us, which is fine. We don't need him. Whatever, Ethan. It's okay. You you gave him your man cold, remember? He, he was feeling a little sick, too. That's what he gets. You can tell we all don't have a life when we're recording at 8.45 on Saturday nights every week. Nine. <laughs> it's 6.15, it's 9, sir. 12, actually. East Coast, best coast. Uh, whatever. Well, the first topic we'll get into real quick here. We wanted to mention the passing of Roman Czechmanic. He didn't spend a ton of time in the NHL. He was mostly a European goaltender, but the time he did have in the NHL, he made a major impact, especially with the Flyers. He did play one season with the Kings, but he's remembered for this amazing season he had in 2002-2003. He played 58 games, recorded a 1.83 goals against average in 58 games, with a .925 save percentage. He did not win the Vesna that year, surprisingly enough, but he did win the Jennings. He brought them not super, he didn't get make it to the cup final, but he brought them pretty far in the playoffs that year. And then after that year, randomly played 49 games with the Kings and then just played with Europe the rest of um, his career. But, you know, Flyers fans remember that season and, you know, definitely sad of his passing. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, I haven't really, you know, read much about him, but I mean, it's, as far as that goes, you know, Czech goalies are very far and few in between, and he was the backup in the '98 and '02 Winter Olympics against uh, behind uh, Dom there in the, um, and that was, I mean, that's worth noting for okay. sure. It's pretty weird that he only played those four seasons, especially with those impressive numbers yeah. that he had in Philly. And how did he not win the Vezina? That's so. Who strange. did that year? Bro- Bro- Brodor or somebody like that? It was Martin Brodor. Was it? You called it, Tyson. Way to go. All right. Well, you know, he's always a safe bet. But he wasn't even in the top five for votes. He ended up tying for seventh with Nikolai Kabibulin, which is pretty insane for somebody who had those those impressive stats. Brodeur did play 73 games that season. Um, So that probably factored in. Okay. That's back. So that's like dead puck area. Yeah. Like when guys like Dominic Hasek and Brodeur were playing like almost all 82 games. He had the second best save percentage out of everybody on that list. How many games did he play? 
Yeah, I, it's kind of surprising didn't get much. 58, okay. right? Check right. Panic. Okay. That's what we're talking uh, yeah, about. Yeah, that's a respectable yeah. amount. Yeah. So, like, it's not like, like, that's a lot for, like, Allmark, I don't even think, played 58 games last year, right? No, I think they pretty much split, like, if I'm not, he had 40 wins and 8 losses, I'm pretty sure. I think he played under 50. Uh, this year, they're going 1-1. Yeah, so, one one. So anyways, the point is, like, we're kind of used to 58 games feeling like quite a bit for a goaltender, but back then, that was like, man, that's like nothing. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, RIP, obviously. I mean, he left his impact on the hockey world. And yeah. um, like I said, you know, those For Czech sure. goaltenders and Czech players in general are far and few in between. So mass, mad respect to him. Moving on, it came out this morning, Saturday, that Milan Lucic was arrested this morning for a domestic violence incident. Details are few and far between, but apparently his wife placed a 911 call and said he was choking her. It's it's definitely not a good look for the Bruins. I mean, last year's Mitchell's Miller thing, and now this. It's just they can't get out of their own way, and it stinks. Obviously, we'd like to think an incident until proven guilty, but with this kind of stuff, you really don't mess around. Unacceptable. To, as one of our admins put it, it's a dirtbag move no matter what city you're from. And from the limited research i was able to do today it seems like he had a previous incident last time he was with the bruins and if that's true at that point why the hell is his wife still with them i mean obviously i don't know the family dynamic but i mean a you get half his money he's loaded and b you get out of the abusive relationship but i mean you'd like not to you you hope it's not true because from what you hear luchik is a good guy for the most part he he is a kind individual but Apparently, he came home drunk and choked her, and she called the police. And that's the only details we have at this point. If we do get anything, we will let you guys know. But like I said, innocent until proven guilty, but doesn't look good. Do you expect him to no longer be a part of the Bruins team? What do you think about Like, is Do you expect him to play another game? With the Bruins or any age. He, he did take an indefinite leave of absence. And, I mean, right. they could put whatever media spin they want on it, but they're saying he took it away from the team and not the team suspended him. I think it's just a way of saying, hey, you're not coming back until you figure it out. And the captain mm. of the Boston Bruins, the born leader himself, Brad Marchand, came out and said, like, they're worried about Britt, who's his wife, and the kids, but obviously they want to be there for the whole family no matter what happens. So, I mean... As much as it stinks, and honestly, it's I don't I don't, I don't know how to put this without sounding like an asshole. But like, whatever happens in that house is their own business, and it sucks that it's in the public light like this because he's an athlete. But I mean, it's unacceptable, basically. So that that's where I stand on that, and I don't know how many times I can keep on saying it. Like, there are so it's such limited details. Or I saw it this morning while I was at work, and. It basically said he got arrested. He looks, let me just put it out there. He looks like a douchebag in his mugshot, too. It's the goatee. It's, yeah, it's definitely the goatee. But what I was going to say is that, like, so I guess silver lining, because I know the NHL doesn't really handle these things properly. I don't feel like anyway. And at least Lucic, and I mean, the Bruins organization released their statement. At least Lucic has the, I, I don't want to say it this way, but decency. At least he knows that he knows well enough to step away and figure out whatever issues he's facing and not force the team to have to step up for him and have to deal with the media scramble. I mean, you know, and it's it's an obviously an unfortunate situation and it's not something anybody ever wants. So hopefully they figure out their household 
in a healthy way that everybody can kind of move forward. But I mean, you know, obviously it's not anything anybody supports, but um, like I said, hopefully they figure it out and, and they can move on as an organization to him as a player. You said something like this has happened previously when he was with the Bruins. Do you know what the details were on that? From what I understand, it's a previous domestic again. I don't know if it, it says girlfriend, so I don't mm-hmm. know if the girlfriend turned into his wife. You don't know if they're the same person? I don't, and I believe it happened in 2011, so that could have been a cup year or it could have been the season after. So, yeah, I only saw like a little clip from NBC Sports back in the day. and it did, Just like today, you don't really have any details. Like the, the news report comes out and it's pretty much hush-hush. So I, I just want to say like, Bruins absolutely screwed the pooch. Like, no excuse for signing uh, Mitchell Miller last year, who's now with everyone else in the KHL. But did he sign in the KHL? Yeah, he signed this week in the KHL. I believe he yeah. did. Yeah. That the, I mean, I'm like half surprised. I don't know if it was official, but I read a document or an article that said that he basically was intending to sign with the KHL. Yeah. I guess they don't really care what's going on in the U.S. I don't know. Oh, no. No, not at all. I understand what happened, but from what I understand, he is a talented hockey player. It doesn't excuse what he did, but just saying, like, he is talented. Yeah, that definitely does not. Well, Joel, Joel, that's like, so just think about talent and all that. You can screw that all up. Think about Joel Quinville, probably one of the best NHL coaches of all time, but no no one's bringing him on. I'm no surprised the KHL is not giving and, him an offer. Shouldn't. I'm surprised they haven't, to be honest with you. Because the KHL seems like they do not give a crap about anything. So, getting back to the Bruins, I, like I said, obviously they screwed the pooch with the Mitchell Miller thing, and this is just like another year. Basically another distraction from a team who's outstanding and exceeding all expectations. It's something that they don't need. So it's like, I understand the n- nostalgia of bringing this guy back. I was all for it, but like, what the hell, you know? That's just what the players want to do is answer questions on this crap. Uh, to be fair to your your team, Cas, I mean they can't they couldn't have expected this to happen. Like, no, it's not, no, no. Like I with Mitchell Miller, they knew this incident had occurred. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't a mystery to anyone. And this time, it's just kind of like so. I don't think people are going to look at the Boston in a negative light here. Boston dirtbags, baby. More, Some might. They look more. I feel like at least I feel like they should be looking more at Milan Lucic being the issue not not the Bruins well typical Boston dirtbag fashion you know right exactly <laughs> like I it's just the stigma but it's it's really not on their end it really isn't no and I think that's a great point like I'm saying is that like I, I think that Milan is at least he's stepping up and saying you know I, I messed up here I'm, I'm gonna take my course of action so that my team doesn't have to step up and deal with it so at least in a sense that he's taking it away as a almost as a locker room distraction. Because if I'm not mistaken, he was injured before this even occurred. He wasn't even on the active roster at the moment, was he, Cass? He's on LTRR at this point. But, like, getting to what you said, like, he's taking ownership. I haven't heard him take ownership. I saw the team release a statement saying he's taking an indefinite leave. He hasn't come out and released a statement. He hasn't come he out hasn't? and said anything. So as far as I'm concerned, he hasn't issued, he's in jail, he hasn't issued so. an apology yet. I don't think he I'm can. Sure, I'm sure he's got enough money to release him. Yeah, that's why I'm like... Probably. I don't know if he's really the one <laughs> taking the indefinite leave or if the team just released it on his behalf and said, well, when you finally get out of the clank, you'll figure it out. You know, But, you know, prayers up to his wife and the kids. Hopefully they're doing well. Yeah. And if it is true, it's very unacceptable, no matter what your profession is. Oh, 100%. Agreed. And we can move on from that. 
Sticking with the vein of current crimes, it actually recently came out that an unnamed suspect, because they they haven't actually officially named anybody, but the still, as far as I know, they haven't. But it's they pretty obvious. No, we're talking about Matt Petgrave. He was picked up and charged with manslaughter on that fatal hit against Adam Johnson. Which prior to that, he I don't know that he's played any games for the Steelers. He did. He did. He did. did and he? he received. He did, and he received a standing ovation. It was the night prior to the arrest. He received a standing ovation when he hit Ooh. the ice, and it, it, yeah, it didn't look too. There wasn't that a like, good look for is, the fans in attendance. Is that like cheering him on? Is like being able to to overcome the trauma of that type of thing. I think that it it was more so them trying to applaud him just being out there and giving him more of a encouragement. The, the amount of hate, yeah, the amount of hate that he's kind of received on the internet has not been cool. I mean, it's been incredibly racist rhetoric saying a lot of really really negative things because he's a black guy who quote unquote got away with murder is what I've seen. And I, I don't know. I think that was more really what they were trying to applaud, not the fact that he killed somebody on the ice. I mean, that that's not what I think is, is was going on. It's just on. the fans showing that they support him as a player and being able to get through the adversity he's currently facing. I didn't watch the video until several days after mm. it occurred. And it is a weird play. It is. Like, I don't think his intention was to kill. That's why he was arrested for manslaughter, not murder. But, I mean, I've never seen anyone swing their leg up like that. That's that's why it was created into a case at all. Like, And manslaughter is that kind of like someone died, but that was not the intention behind it. But it's still not okay. Like, But, yeah, very, very concerning. Obviously, pure speculation station here. Has anyone else seen the hit? I, I know I I have. Brett said he has. I refuse to watch it. I refuse to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I won't. Understandable. It was kind of all over Twitter at one point and it was just there and I saw it. I, I kinda agree with Brett. Now I'm somebody who I haven't played hockey competitively in a long, 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 long time. You're old. Because you're old. We get it, you're old. I am. I, I I'm I would not be in the league at this age. But the way that his leg came up, it was like a, a perpendicular angle. And then it kind of kicked out like a like a horse kicking back is the way I guess yeah. I can explain it. It seemed very peculiar to me. I'm not saying that it was intentional. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not in this guy's head. I do think it was a really weird hit, though. So I watched, I mean, I've seen the Clint Malachuk hit whenever he takes the skate to the neck for the uh -huh. Sabres. And like, I don't know, for me, it's different. But he was on the ice. It's different, though, because he survives. You know what I'm saying? So for me, like to watch the Adam Johnson hit, knowing he died, I, I don't know. I don't think that I can watch it. I don't necessarily want to. I'm not saying you should. I don't know what you see. I don't know what you see. But so and that's the thing for me is that my judgment can't really be trusted because I haven't actually seen the hit. But I find it hard to believe that somebody would go into the league, go into a game intending to hurt somebody in that fashion you know and, and and that's just ignorance and naivety on my part but you know i feel for the guy it sucks because you know in, in motion it's hard to to control your body and 
we don't know, but you'll like live I with said, that for the rest of your you know, life too. Yeah, yeah, and probably face charges for it at this point. I mean, you know, I don't know how liberal the courts are in the UK, but it sounds like to me, you know, if if they've got enough to sell the argument, it probably sounds like he's going. He's probably doing jail time. Yeah, I was going to say the reason why I watched is because of those comments that Jesse was referring to earlier. I'm like, and people were like saying like it was so intentional. Like anyone who see this know that he was trying to kill him. And I'm like, okay, that's a pretty intense accusation. So I was I was curious to kind of like look, and I'm like, it looks like a weird play, but I don't think he was trying to kill him. Like you guys said, someone else's name I wasn't familiar with it who took a skate to the neck. He was the goalie for the Buffalo Sabers, Clint Marlachuk. Okay, I don't know why the Sabers are involved with this, but the, a Sabers player. This was definitely accidental. He was like a Sabres defender was like tripped and he's falling and his skate cut up, came up and cut Richard Zenick, former Panther in mm. the neck. And, but he also survived. They quickly got him to the hospital, stitched him up. Yeah. So this, so this stuff has, it's kind of surprising that we can think about several instances curve. But anyways, I was the main point I was trying to make is that's why I wanted to watch the video is because of the comments that were being made. Tyson, the incident that you're talking about was the goalie for the Sabres who was down on the ice and had somebody kind of jump right, over him, yeah. right? This is completely different, yeah. in my opinion. The way that this happened, both players were on their feet. It is not anywhere near similar, in my opinion. He's got to, like, scissor kick up, basically. You're, you know, like, I've not seen the hit, but, like, that's what you're saying. Yeah, he swung his leg up. Yes, the way that he swung his leg up perpendicular to the left and then just kind of kicked out, it just seemed like it, it wasn't a hockey play. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll get. So, two things. Jesse, do you have access to that video? Because I'm not against watching it. I'm just not really looking for it, per se. I mean, it's all over Twitter. Okay. I could probably it's find probably not it hard to find. Yeah. Brett. You've never seen that Clint Malarchuk thing? See, I was confused when you guys talked about this last week because that's that's probably the most famous, at least to me, the most famous oh, yeah. like well, nice incident like that for sure. I think the one of the key points in that story is that the medical trainer was an army at who knew to yeah. pinch his artery and that's why he survived. He cut off the all the blood on the ice. Brett, you're back. Did you have you never seen that Malarchuk video ever? Um, I have not seen it. I don't know if I want to look it rough. up <laughs> it's rough. The, the, the ice, gets, the it's ice rough. gets dark very yeah. very quick yeah yeah it's it's insane so but my whole Maybe. thing is that like in that incident I, I it's not the gore that gets me it's knowing that that guy lives is why i can watch it and i guess to piggyback off of this it seems like commissioner gary bettman is more so advocating that players utilize those neck guards. He's not saying that there's going to be any sort of mandate for it. Obviously, they have to talk with the NHLPA about that. But there is more of a, hey, maybe you should wear them, as opposed to, you guys definitely need to. I saw Anthony Stolarz wearing one for that Panthers-Ducks game. So that's the first Panther I've seen wearing the neck protection. Oh, with the BS no goal? Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. Very same. Two things here. So just piggybacking off all that. So the Penguins, they haven't said anything at the NHL level, but their AHL and ECHL affiliates will be required to wear net guards just kind of in response to this. Oh. And then Adam Johnson's team, I forget, are they the Nottingham Panthers? Is that who it is? Correct. Yes. So they are, they're selling charity jerseys. They're really sick. I'm thinking about getting one, but um, they're selling Adam Johnson charity jerseys. And they actually have officially retired his 47. So nobody for the Nottingham Panthers will be able to wear that number again. Mm. Good. 
That's nice. I like that. I think that's the right call. I like that too, yeah. I wonder if, like, this is kind of getting to labor stuff, but I wonder if the AHL and the ECHL don't fall under the players' union and that's why they can mandate it without having to have a vote on it or something. Because obviously with the NHL, you have to deal with the PA. Which is weird because their players come up and down. I know, but I wouldn't be surprised if you have to have so many games in the NHL to qualify for union status or however that works. Yeah. I think they'd have to, those leagues would have to have their own players association. I don't think they do. So I think the players association only associates for the NHL. Yeah, so they, they, the leagues can force it through then. Okay. So the next thing we want to talk about, very different um, switch up here, is we're going to talk about the potential next Hall of Fame class. We have some very notable players who get their first chance to join their Hall of Fame. These are the most notable names. Pavel Dotsuk, Ila Kovalchuk, Patrick Marlowe, Pekka Rene, Ryan Miller, Shea Weber. And remember with the NHL, you only get four of these names. So I'll just say real quick, I think unfortunately with this list, I don't think McGillney gets in again. Because <laughs> there's definitely four guys in here who I think you could potentially make the case they bigger than McGillney. And and one of those that I want to kind of talk about, I'll try not to go too long about it, is uh, Pavel Datsug. That's one of my favorite players who never played for Florida. He actually, Barkov models his game after him quite a bit. Very strong defensive forward while having like some of the best hands in the league. It was just awesome to watch him play. Like His nickname, the Magic Man, just made things happen there in Detroit. I actually found myself rooting for Detroit quite a bit while he was on the team. Ever since he retired, I haven't really cared about Detroit. So that was definitely just a player follow. But uh, I wanted to hear if any of you guys think, what do you think about the rest of those guys? So that was Kovalchuk, Marlowe, Rene. Ryan Miller and Shea Weber. What has Patrick Marlowe done aside from play a lot of games? The most. Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, getting ready to ask that. I don't think he's gonna make it. Is he? He's not American, is he? He's got to be Canadian with that. Yeah, last no, name. he's that's Canadian. What I'm saying. So, I mean, yeah, he's Canadian. He's not. That's not really careers games played. I mean, like I'm sure he's got like jerseys or something in the in the Hall of Fame. But there's no trophies that he's won. There's. I mean, he's got 566 goals. 631 assists, 1,197 points. So, I mean, like, he, he's got the points, but, I mean, there's no, no no Stanley Cup, nothing else. Like, most career games played, I don't think that's worthy enough of being in the Hall of Fame. Gold medal in 2003, gold medal at the 2010 Winter Olympics. So, so real quick, do we think, do we think he gets in at all, ever? 100%. I think eventually, probably not next year, I think, the other guys mentioned, I think, made a bigger impact for in hockey than he did. I mean, the the fact that he played a crap t- is he first or is he? He didn't beat how did he? Is he? First, he, he did. He, he did. Wow, he did. So I think that I mean the fact that you got to have the guy who played the most games in your league in there. But like what you were saying, Jesse, is like the awards aren't there. The stats are there, but he never led in anything. He leads uh, most of the Sharks statistics, but. I mean, he'll definitely be a Sharks Hall of Famer. He might already be, considering he um, raised his number. Yeah, But for Hockey Hall of Fame, I think he eventually gets there. I don't know if he makes it in with this list of players. And considering guys, like like I already said, McGillney and even um, that Cujo. 
you you said that at least four of these guys are I don't I don't know if you said their first ballot, but you said they're getting in. So are you saying that Patrick Patrick Marlu and Shea Weber are the kind of the two guys that are like these guys these two aren't it's one of these things are not like the others type situation? Like I kind of like because it's hockey hall of fame, that really helps Kovalchuk because he mm-hmm. you know, if it was just NHL, I'd wouldn't think Kovalchuk, but because you can include his time in the KHL and stuff, I think he would get in. Pecorine if he's not the best finished goaltender of all time, he's one of the best finished goaltenders of all time. Ryan Miller, one of the best American goaltenders of all time. That's that would Probably be one of the best American players four. of all time. I would say. I would. Yeah, just American players. You're right. Not just yeah. even goalies. Yeah. So I, I, I'm picking uh, the the two Russians, uh, Datsuk, Kovalchuk, Rene, and Miller. So you think with all the stuff that's happening in Russia, that's going to affect people voting Russian players in? I've, I've read. I don't ever think about that, but you know that doesn't. I real. I guess that for me that wouldn't impact my decision because it's definitely a factor. But for a lot, for like you, like great point, Cass. Because for some people, why isn't Alex in? That will affect who they're voting for. Like I think we could all agree, like Datsuk's in, but like yeah, for, it might yeah. delay Kovalchuk getting in because people are biased now on Russian players. But you have to remember, you still have people that haven't got in, like Brent, uh, Tyson's favorite coach, Brindamore, hasn't been in yet. You know, <laughs> is he up this year? No, I think, I think so. he's already eligible. I'm really? sorry, I know he's he's been eligible. I'm saying, is this the year that he gets in? Yeah, because it's not as cut as dry and dry as previous years. I'm saying. I feel like this is an incredibly weak class. It's very really? possible that I think so. Oh man! I, I mean, aside, the magic from, aside man. from Datsuk. Aside from Datsuk, who is pr- arguably the the yeah. best player on yeah. this list, he's the only lock. Everyone else is, yeah, that yeah. Everyone else on this list is incredibly just. I think there's a lot man. of recency bias. I don't, I don't know. I like I like Rene. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of people who haven't got in the last couple of years get in. You know, what I mean, the other thing. Okay. You do have Zetterberg, who's eligible, and a couple other players. Like, Wait, he is. Yes, he's eligible as well. Oh, so is he not? Zetterberg's kind of like another Marlowe, yeah. though. Yeah, but Zetterberg so, has numbers, doesn't he? I mean, they all have numbers, just how good they are. Well, I just, I mean, I feel like Zetterberg's a better player than Marlowe. Maybe I'm just thinking that, you know. I think you're on crack. You think so? It might be. That's that's what that's why I said that's why I'm saying Zetterberg's kind of like another Marlowe because Marlowe's a better Zetterberg. I'm looking over at Zetterberg's career mm-hmm. in general. 1,082 games played, 337 goals, 623 assists, 960 points. He won a Conn Smythe. He won a King Clancy. He won two, uh, I'm sorry, he won an NHL Foundation Player Award, and he's got a cup. That's more, Yeah. I I guess that's more of a reason to put him into the Hall of Fame. I don't don't think he's worthy of it either, honestly. So, this is directly from The Athletic. It says, my understanding is... The fact of the war in Ukraine may prevent Russian players from getting into the Hall of Fame as the committee could take a stand similar to the one that keeps Russian teams from participating in major international events. That's so freaking frustrating. Those major international events were due to doping, were they not? I think it's a completely no, different No, no, no. They're not allowing like the U18 teams to play in because of uh, Oh, I see. But the other thing but, is and, and that's you've got two too. Russian it's players so in Mulginley and Sergei Gonchar who are eligible too, still. Like, so I was getting ready to say, so that's kind of what's kept Mulganley out of the league, out of the Hall of Fame this whole time, because he was kind of a controversial player when he came over anyway. And then when he became eligible, Russia was in some BS and it was like, 
it started being controversial for him to be there. So I think honestly, like how many more years does he have eligibility to get in? I think you're eligible as long as it's not like the NFL. Right. right. I think I don't think you ever lose eligibility. <laughs> well, my point is that whatever's going on in Russia or Ukraine right now, that's going to keep him out even longer is what I'm what I'm getting ready to say, because if it's going to keep Pavel Datsuk, who I think is a I, I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. If it's going to keep him out, then it's definitely going to keep Alex Mulganley out. Like, there's no there's no way around that. So, I want to kind of go to a different player in Pekarene, right? He won the Vesna. He had a great save percentage and a great overall record. He, in my mind, and I'm coming from a Bruins aspect, and I don't especially like this goalie too much, him and Tuka's numbers are very, very similar. They both have a Vesna. I believe Tuka has a Vesna. I think Tuca technically has a better career percentage, uh, save percentage. So does that mean Tuca should get in and Pekka should get in? Or does it look differently because he backstopped Nashville all those years? You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's, is it per, purely based on numbers or popularity? Um, well, I think, it's, um, I think it's a mixture of those two things. Um, I think what Tuca was able to do with Boston is, I mean... He won a cup with them, so I think that's that's a better position to be in than what Rene is. And like, I think I would take Rene on my team over the two, but I think that Rask gets in before Rene does. And I don't necessarily have anything to back that on, just because I feel like, like you said, their their career numbers are similar, but with the cups, I think that's where you're differentiating because Rene only took him to a finals. So, based on that, do you feel like Luka Rask deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, he's got, I, I think he's got less wins than, I don't know if I'm just guessing off the top of my head. I think he's got technically less wins than Rene, but like I said, the playoff success that he's had, I, I don't see why you wouldn't. He's got 308 he wins. I think most Vesna trophy winners end up in the hall of fame at some point, um, especially if they have a cup, you know, I don't, I, Tom Barrasso made it, but you know, he was a back-to-back cup winner. And I'm just saying that like, I think eventually if they win a Vesna, if they win a cup, that's kind of what you look for in a goaltender. So Tuke's got 61 less wins and 200. Uh, he's got about 60 less losses. I'll say one thing that's kind of frustrating about the NHL Hall of Fame is only four get in every year, and it's kind of ridiculous. Like, I feel like so many players, like you guys are not sure if certain players get in. I, I don't know. These guys are all significant players who made big impacts in the league. And, um, you know, th- because of the NHL's format of only four every year, it it could take so long, even for the guys who are deserving. And if Pavel Dotsuk doesn't get in this year just because of his nationality, that'll be absolute bullcrap. It will be. Just- I'm saying again, I think Dotsuk is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't see why he's not. He should but, be. I mean, if they take that stand, that's kind of ridiculous because it's an individual thing. It is ridiculous. I mean... I- he, I kind of like how how would that be how would that be different like if they I can't see the NHL doing this but like what if they kept the player out because of his race right. you know like like they, they they would never do that but because the fact that there there's that stuff going on in Russia and they're Russian it seems making an impact and that to me that's very frustrating because it feels so um, hypocritical it feels wrong I agree with you on that but he's I mean Dotsuk is I mean just numbers and like that doesn't it doesn't tell the story because Dotsuk I think is probably one of the best 
technical hockey players to ever play the game. I mean, just what he oh, could yeah. do with a puck and a stick was the most insane stuff you would see and the passes this guy would make and like so when i started watching hockey was like kind of you know right around when sid was drafted and you know at least when i remember it anyway and um watching datsuk compete against the penguins in the finals two years in a row was insane and if you watch the way that he played with marion hosa i mean it's crazy so i i don't know for, for me maybe i'm a little like there's a romanticism there about it but i think datsuk is definitely a first ballot hall of famer should be or at least he should be. Actually, do you think Tuca should be in the Hall of Fame? I do. I do. I could see I'd it put him in there before Rene, like I said. I mean, and that's what I'm saying is that, like, when you look at goaltenders, that's what you start to look at is, did they get a Vesna Check. Did they get a cup? Check. What were their win percentages? You know, so. Real, real quick, because uh, Cass asked, I would say, I think Tuca is deserving, but because of this stupid four players only format, who knows how long it's going to take? Like, I hope they change it. I hope, even if it's like six. Like six players a year. I'm the opposite. Opposite. I, was, I don't like I don't, two. No, I'm saying I don't think he deserves to be in, but I think it's a participation okay. thing now more than an elite of the elite, and I think eventually he'll get in, which I think is ridiculous. It, it's they've they've already set a precedence that I think Tuca has surpassed. I don't even know if he deserves to get his number retired for the Bruins. Never mind, he in the Hall of Fame. Love how much you love your team and their Bruins players. have so many retired numbers. They have to be, start getting selective. They're kind of like the Yankees, where like you, there's almost there's no, there's no single digits left. Well, obviously you're gonna retire 33. You're gonna retire 37. You know. Oh yeah. Six, 63 and 46 are debatable. And then you go from there. The Rangers retired 11 twice, <laughs> which I think is <laughs> who, ridiculous. But I can't. Who? It's Messier, obviously. Who's the other one? I forget. I forget who it is. Hold on. Oh no! Come on, Rangers fan. I mean, technically, get it right. Technically, the Penguins retired 66 twice. Who's the other one? It's the same guy. They retired it, and then unretired it, and then re-retired it. (laughs) Still for Lemieux. Yeah. Yeah, He can do that? He owns the team. What are you going to tell him? No. (laughs) Yes. Did you figure out the other 11, Jesse? Hadfield. Victor Hadfield. It's Hadfield. Vic Hadfield. Yeah, him. I think that's that's ridiculous. I, (laughs) I, I hate that they did that. When did they must have like because Hadfield played back like way back, right? Like they retired Messier in 2006 and Hadfield in 2018. That's so weird. Did Hadfield like pass away or something? Or, like was he about to die? It's possible because that I don't feels like the, the... Uh, something a team would do. Because like, and, and it sucks when people pass away, but some people feel like when that happens, they need to somehow honor them in some way. So even some people who might not be deserving because they pass away they get their number so adam johnson what happened that it sucks and i think they should have retired his number but if he didn't pass away would they retire his number probably not so that that can happen well i mean this in the most respectful way possible and it's probably not going to sound yeah. that way but willie o'ree boston bruins retired his number but he i think that the guy only played one game for the bruins i understand he, he broke the color barrier he broke the color line but right? it took yeah, fifty something years. I know, but it took him fifty something years to do it. You know, it's just weird with a political climate the way it is that it wasn't yeah. done earlier. Unfortunately, that kind of it kind of felt forced more than like deserving. If like I said, I don't want to be disrespectful, but you know what I'm saying. I think you're right. They should have done it way before that because it, it is a big deal that he broke the color barrier for the NHL. 
but well, they shouldn't have waited so long to do. Well, it. like the baseball, they retired Jackie Robinson's number. I don't have Jackie you know Robinson's I mean? retired across the yeah, league. So, like, I have no problem that Ori's number is retired. It's just the timing of it was very should have done a long time ago. And that was just that, that was done a long, yeah, that was done a long time ago with uh, Jackie Robinson, oh, yes. wasn't it? It's been a while. I think. Kind of curious about this. 1997, guys. 1997. How old were you, Jesse? In 97? It was four. Uh, seven? Old. Eight? I was two. Oof, you're all old. Yes, aren't you about the same age as Jesse? You're my age, bro. <laughs> all right, I forgot. He's like one I'm year younger sure or something. Actually, I'm pretty sure he's actually three months older oh, than Oh, is that what it is? Pull the receipts. Old. <laughs> old. You just start like pulling out uh, your birth certificates uh, out here. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be $20 richer at the end of the season, too. Hey, old. <laughs> Yeah, probably. That's fine. You can take my twenty dollars. I'll spit on it. As yeah, baby, Boston dirt, Boston dirtbag money. I love it. Let's go. He's gonna Venmo it to you. You're gonna have to pay extra to transfer it over to your bank account. So he's really gonna come out on top. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy that thirty percent. Before we get to um, off topic, let's keep going. Um, we're gonna talk about something. This was very interesting when I saw us talk about this in our chat is they're thinking about making some changes to the three-on-three overtime format. One of the things that they were talking about is not allowing the the team in possession of the puck to go back to the red line. So if the team who is in possession of the puck crosses the center red line into the offensive zone, they are not allowed to go back, similar to what basketball does with their back with their backcourt rules. They're basically what they're trying to prevent is they don't like that in overtime, a team wins the possession, and then they'll just keep, they'll skate into the zone, then they'll go back, then they'll skate into the zone, I don't like it, so they go back. They're, they don't, they're trying to get rid of that. What do you think about that backcourt? I don't hate it. <laughs> I mean, OT is supposed to be thrilling, and you got these guys pirouetting around under ice just trying to find an open lane. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? Another rule, potentially, like, so if they don't like the backcourt rule, another option was a shot clock. So you have a certain amount no, of time before you put a shot on net. It's not like <laughs> baseball when it's start and stop play. It, it's continuous play. That's that's ridiculous. Right. So I would be cool with that backcourt rule if they get rid of the shootout and they make it two five-minute OT periods. I want to see. We talked a little about this a couple episodes yeah. ago. So we, we were kind of in favor of that. We talked a lot about Zambonis in that episode. Right. Like, because right now they don't Zamboni the ice before the OT period. So how much delay of the game is that? How much, sorry, how much time is that going to add to the game to Zamboni the ice for 10 minutes overtime? Well, I think if you keep... Or, or if they should Zamboni it for 10 minutes. Before. Yeah, well, I think if you keep play going and you have this backcourt rule where your play is still fluid most of the game, and it, essentially that would eliminate icing, right? Is that is that kind of part of what that is? Um, I think the defensive no, team could it, still you, ice you could it. still ice because you would go offense to yeah. defensive zone. Okay, so but it's still, um, I, I mean, if you're keeping play fluid, if you're keeping it quick, if you're changing possessions, why couldn't you do a five-minute period, run the Zamboni, and then do another five-minute period? Because if you don't win in the OT, you're going to turn around and do shootouts for, what, 10 minutes? Because people don't want to stay at the game until They don't want ties. PM. I don't want ties either. I don't know, though. Be, I, I guess it's... It's for me, though, because like, I don't think that a game should end purely on skills. I think it should be based off the way that the game is played with defense and offense all being factors. That's like losing a football game to a field goal. 
So, Tyson, are you suggesting that they keep doing five-minute overtimes until they score? I like that. I like that format. I know it's unpopular because okay. it's all about saving time. It's all no about way. saving time. No. I would rather them continue to play OT until they win. And I know I'd rather see four on four for five minutes, three on three for five minutes, and then go to a shootout. Oh, he's about to do the thing. And then goalies end up fighting. Oh, I thought you were about eyes. to do the five on four on four, then three on three, then two on two, then one on you one, have, then the goalies. You fight. have to have at least three on three, or else I feel like there's a decline in play because skaters are skating around too much. Sure. Well, and you guys made really good points the last time you talked about this, because I think that if you do extend it, even if you just leave it as one 10 minute period, I still think that they're playing enough hockey on three on three that eventually somebody's going to score. So I think that that's probably especially if they incorporate that back. Yeah. And I think that that's a good way to keep the game fluid and going. And then I think you don't end up on bullshit like when Evgeny Kuznetsov takes the goal or the puck at center ice and takes 10 minutes to get to the net. You know what I'm saying? So like I, I like three on three. I don't have a problem I think with that. Either. No, because it's not illegal. But I think the fast, quick three-on-three hockey is fun. I think if you added the backcourt rule, I think it would add a lot of speed to the game and a lot of like technicality to the game. And I, I don't know. I like that format. I think it would be interesting. I think the game would be able to end in in the five minutes if they were to implement that backcourt rule. If they made it so that it was a 10-minute overtime period and still implemented that backcourt rule, I think the games would end... Within that period as well. I'm not... I don't hate the shootout. I I hate when games are... Decided? Mm. I hate when games are, are decided in the shootout in a, after a... Fi- I don't think five minutes is, is enough time for overtime. I don't think that it's possible for them to do perpetual overtime until someone scores. That's not going to yeah. happen. Not in the regular season. We'll have games going on, and then the puck drops in five minutes after that if they're doing back-to-backs. I don't think it would be reasonable for them to do that. To, to continue to support this backcourt um, rule, I think they call it, they, I think they'd probably call it back ice or back rank rule, um, but whatever. That doesn't matter. Um, but I think you spend like probably 20 seconds resetting your play you know, and, and there's only five minutes, so you're taking up those 20 seconds every time. And so, like I said, like I said at the beginning, some teams will do that just continuously. Like, they'll even enter the zone two times and then come back again and do it for a third time until they're happy. Most of the time I see goals happen in overtime, it's because of a, a turnover and they're quick going up the ice. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you're forced to stay in the offensive zone, you're gonna see more turnovers, and the game's gonna be over. So, but again, someone's gonna slip up, right? And now teams will have to play more defensively, so that might take away from the quickness potentially. Like you're probably gonna see, like instead of a, your defenseman, and sometimes not always a defenseman, but the guy who's playing the defensive role, he's gonna probably sit back rather than jump in the play. So that that'll be interest, interesting to see some new strategies come up with this. It, I I don't know if it would add speed. I think it could potentially take away speed, but I do think the games would end quite, um, much more in overtime if there was a back ice rule. Back ice. I like that term for it. <laughs> Instead of back court, back ice. Well, because it's not a right. court. Yeah, no, you're right. So. Yeah. And I don't mean like it's going to make the game itself quicker. I think it would end quicker is more of what I was saying. Like it would keep it. We'd keep the games running along because I know the whole point is that they're worried about advertising dollars. They're worried about running into other shows. They're running into other. So I, I understand that perspective of it. And what Jesse said is they can't do perpetual overtime. But like I said, I think I, I think teams and fans would be happier knowing it was a team effort in that OT and they was extended along because I feel like 
when I'm watching OT and it gets down to the last like one or two minutes, everybody, both teams are so close to scoring and they keep those shots going and they keep the pressure on. I feel like if they had another five minutes, the game would be settled. One of the things I, I wanted to talk about as well, and that's why I put it on that list, Cass, is do you think that teams who make it to overtime and lose should still be getting a point in the standings? Yes. You were asking Cass, you but do. I say I think yes. so. That, so you want them to have a participation trophy, some real millennial nonsense. I, no. That's not... I don't see it as participation <laughs> they, trophy. They so won, think about they won the, 60 this. minutes of hockey. Oh, so because... There's no more ties, right? So th- mm-hmm. they they have to be awarded somewhat for playing the 60 minutes, you know, because before the 60 minutes were up and both teams get a point. So now, like, if you get into that, it's going to end up being the NBA, right? Because the NBA, you don't get an overtime point. And I, it'd be interesting to see if, if anyone took the time to go back and see if the NBA did NHL stuff i'm sure someone's probably taking the time to do that and if not it'll probably be me because i apparently it's have gonna a ton be of, you i have a ton of time to waste as you guys started talking about before we started recording it was just me um, but <laughs> well and i think they deserve a point because they they and the team that they faced there was no loser there was no winner they successfully be, beat you know three full periods of hockey and then they go into an ot period so why why shouldn't they get a point they played a whole game they didn't lose they tied. They didn't lose. They didn't lose. Starting to sound like Rod Brendamore. Like we didn't lose four games. Okay, he's an idiot, and I want Amanda to know that I said that. So. <laughs> That's the dumbest Amanda thing I've up. ever heard. So, I'm of the basis, and it's probably very unpopular. A team should get three points for a regulation win, two points for an overtime Ooh, win, European style, and one point for an overtime loss. It. That's how that. European teams do it, Cast. Like in hockey, yeah. and they do it. They do. I think they do it, it makes teams want to win in regulation. Right. You know, not mm. just get yeah. to the overtime in the last five minutes to get a point. Uh, it makes you. I think, I think you'll get rid of a lot of that dilly dallying BS if they're trying to get that extra point in overtime. I mean, you still get an extra point in overtime now, but I think if you're tight in the playoff race and you need that extra point, you won't be looping around to center ice and trying to find your opening. You'll be dumping and chasing a little bit more. I think obviously you'll break all kind of points records in the NHL, but it's going to happen at some point. I think that that's my take on it. And for the old timers who watch the game, it's a very drastic switch. But I mean, improvements to the games have happened, so I don't hate it. I I, I honestly love that. Whenever I'm making a custom league in like NHL or anything, I always do that three point thing because I like that. Just always, there's three points up for both teams to win. Right, so like you and how they get divided out depends on the game finishes, and like Kaz, you made a, a perfect point about how this will put the pressures on the teams at the end if it's a tie game to go for it. You might even see like teams pull their goalie with a tied game if they're in the offensive zone with thirty seconds, and just because, especially like you said, like it's a playoff race, you're like you need that that third point. You're pulling your goalie with a tied game, like. I think it creates some awesome scenarios. That's what I was just getting ready to say is because like sometimes you watch these games where the team that was down ends up coming back and scoring and they have the momentum and they keep possession. So then they just play, you know, they BS the puck. They just, they hold on to it. They keep it running. They play like New York Islanders style hockey where they just maintain possession and they don't do anything fun with it. And then they run out the clock and take it at OT because... 
we're an OT, we're at least going to get a point. Whereas I think if you give the winning team an OT three points, um, you see a lot more desperation at the end of the year, especially with the wild card race. I mean, look at look at our our division this year in the East, where you know you had teams that missed it by a point. Imagine if that team that took it into overtime put in a little bit more effort in the third period, came back and won it. And didn't have to take it into OT. So, like, I, I don't know. I think the three points for the winning team, I think, is a way bigger incentive to finish the game in regulation, like Cass said. I think it would make for really, for a really interesting end to the season. Mm-hmm. Because you could see, you know, like, like Brett mentioned, teams at the end of the season who were just barely right there at the cusp of making it Buffalo. to the playoffs. Pulling their goalies with 30 seconds left in the game at a tie game just to try and get that regulation win. Uh, I, I don't, I don't hate the idea. I, I'm actually a big fan of that, that three, two, one. So switching the script for a minute, I forget what league's doing this. I listened to a podcast. They talked about it. Uh, a league, I think over in Europe, you have a power play and you score a goal. You stay on the power play until the, you stay, oh. you stay up, you stay like up that. a man the whole two minutes or however long no it takes. Way. How do you feel about that? Okay. I'll just Oh, like oh wait. That. So no. you're just saying sorry, you're saying like so like five minute majors, you know how you can score uh, perpetually? I think that's the right yeah. word. Pretty much the guy stays in the box you for can... two minutes no matter how many good goals you score. Okay, so it's it's like it's like if the five minute major rule was for all the power plays. I thought Cass I thought you were saying when they score a power play goal, they get another two minutes after That'd that. That'd be amazing. And I was like, what? <laughs> Holy <laughs> offense. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> Perpetual power plays. Jesse, you're saying you don't like that rule? You don't like the way that plays out? No, I like the way that it is now where if they score on a two-minute minor, then the penalty's over. Keep it the way that it is with the major. I have no problem with that. If you cause some sort of incident that requires you to be on a... For your for your team to take a major penalty, you deserve to be scored on fifty five times. I think. But you don't think if they start, you, you don't guys, think if they do. We a, are agreeing a lot today, which is weird. I thought Cass and I would get into it at least once. Until this one, but Jesse, you're saying that you would be cool with. You don't think that even if they commit a minor, they shouldn't have to serve the tool, the full two minutes. You don't. They did bad. They should be in the sin bin. They should serve the full two. But if they get a goal scored against them, I think that that's more of a punishment than than the the okay, penalty. But if you're is. A piece of- because now they're down a goal. The full two. A, a hooking call, I don't think, is worth that. Dude, some hooking calls are so. so I'm just trying to get somebody to argue about like, something. I don't know goal. if that was the. You should have said. You should have said spearing. Or like slashing. Spe- like I, I, I haven't seen a spearing call yet. Spearing should be a major. <laughs> think so? Spearing should just be a major. I, have, I haven't ever Always. seen someone like freaking take their stick and like just like oh 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 uh you're talking about like a cross check. I've seen <laughs> no, Ovechkin no, no. do like, a spear. Okay. I remember, uh, I think Kachuk got a spearing when he uh, put his stick in Quick's helmet last year. Or maybe he got away with it, I can't remember. (laughs) So moving on, we wanted to talk about some of the new coaches that some teams have acquired in the offseason and how well they're doing. We've got the Anaheim Ducks, the Calgary Flames, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Nashville Predators, New York Rangers, and the Washington Capitals. And for some of these, we might be a little bit surprised at how well they're doing, particularly, in my opinion, the Washington Capitals. They mm-hmm. are currently 8-4-2. and two. I think they're now third in the fourth. Metro. My note says second. Fourth. They're fourth. I just was pulling that up because I, I looked in your notes, Jesse, and you said second. I'm like, no way. I'm like, okay, fourth. So they were second. Yesterday, now when I, 
Yeah, yesterday when I when I wrote this down, they were second. So now they're currently fourth. They're doing incredibly well all of a sudden. I don't know where the hell that came from because they were not scoring in the in the early parts of the season. Uh, another surprise to me is the Anaheim Ducks. They got uh, Greg Cronin. They are now nine eight and zero. They're fourth in the Pacific. I I mentioned this last week. I think it was. I think they're gonna make. They're gonna be a playoff team. Honestly. Yeah. So I agree with you. I think I think the Ducks are definitely gonna be a playoff team. I I still think that Spencer Carberry with the the Capitals is the more impressive of the coaches, but I mean Greg Cronin has to love what he has going on in Anaheim right now. I don't even know that that team has really reached its full potential, and they're still cruising along and staying competitive. Well, definitely not. No, yeah, exactly, and they're staying very competitive. And what I would say, with the outside of a couple teams, the Pacific is a very competitive uh, conference or division over there. So like. I don't know. I think Greg Cronin, um, I think he gets kind of the hats off as far as all these new coaches go. I think the one thing that's not actually not the one thing. Another thing that's impressive with Anaheim is that you expected if the Ducks were going to do well, maybe not you. I said you, maybe in general, um, (laughs) in general, (laughs) I feel like people, if the Ducks were going to do well, you would assume it was uh, Zegris leading the team to this, but he's been injured and has been playing poorly. It's all about Frank the Tank for Toronto. Dude yeah. has been lighting it Looking up. It up. Um, he played, yeah, he played for Florida a while ago. I know he played briefly with uh, Jesse's team. Yeah, he, Frank the Twice, t- I think. Frank the Tank. He has been leading Anaheim, and that's been kind of surprising. And they've also barely had their rookie play because they have some stupid. Um, game management yeah. on him he scored a hat trick and they're still like barely playing him and they're and i'm so saying stupid i'm saying despite that they're still sitting really well um and no one expected frank vetrano to be the leader for this team dude's got a wicked shot but you, yeah you mentioned uh Zegers being injured i don't think drysdale's played a game drysdale has it yep drysdale's another one another surprise like and i'm doing well without one of their best young defensemen they embarrass the penguins so i mean you know whatever the ducks are doing is really working over there and and again that's the pacific is other than a few teams is very competitive and i think it's surprising everybody this year but i'm greg crone and i'm loving it sticking in the pacific division the calgary flames also got a new coach this season with ryan huska they are currently six eight and two they are sixth in the pacific division well quick jesse um, they add an OT loss to that. Yeah. Six, eight, and three. Love it. Love to see it. That's great. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, Cass, I know you. You said when we were talking about coaches, coach changes in the off season, that you were expecting them to be a little bit better, and I think a lot of people were as well. But their guys are just not getting it going up in Calgary. I mean, half the team wants to go out of there. I mean, Noah Hannafin, <laughs> Elias Lindholm, and um, Tanev are all being shopped around. I mean, that's basically, I would say, 75% of your core right there. And then you got Kadri, who's basically said he doesn't want to go through a rebuild. Huberdeau, Brett's favorite former player until he's gone. It looks like he's <laughs> in preschool and he doesn't want to be anywhere. And um, I, I don't know. They're just falling apart. I honestly thought I thought their offense would be a little bit more tough, and I thought they would be better with Mark Savard as an assistant coach there. I thought he would improve their power play, too. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't know. Like, obviously, they're in the toughest division, too, so it's kind of hard to totally crap on them, but it's just it's, it's one of those divisions. You're going to have Edmonton 
trying to fight to get up in the playoff spot too. I don't see two of the between Calgary and Edmonton. I don't think both of them are going to force their way into a playoff spot. I'm pretty excited to to say this, and I and, and Jesse was uh, backing me up a little bit on this, but we said in the offseason they didn't really add anything. They're coming back with the same team, and even though it's a different coach, it's been the same results. These guys are underperforming. It's not surprising to me because just non, not enough changed in that roster. Um, Huberto continues to not look like the player that everyone thought he was um, when he was kind of just the benefactor of Florida's system and the play of Alexander Barkov, even a little bit of Car- Carter Verhage in the last season when we won the President's Trophy. And he just doesn't... I, I Some people that are Panthers fans are like, oh, I feel bad for him. I'm like, the dude trashed the fan base after we left. So I think he trashed him. the GM <laughs> more than anything, I'm pretty sure. He, both. Both. He didn't like... He, he trashed Zito. He trashed the fans. You know what? He... he he told the media when we were down 3-0 against Tampa, who cares? That's what he said. Like, so screw that guy. So this kind of goes back to like preseason last year when so Gaudreau left Calgary, he made the trade and Calgary got Huberto and all these changes started coming down the line. I was kind of interested and I, I've kind of always watched the flames just out of curiosity. I always have like a Canadian team that I've, I've supported and I, I was always I was questioning who would win the breakup, so to speak, between um, Calgary and Florida with with Huberto. And I I honestly thought Florida was going to be so worse off because I'm seeing all the names going into Calgary. I'm being honest with you. I mean, you know, they get Andre who just won Colorado. They did. You know, so you're thinking, oh, Calgary's stacking up. They're going to be, I mean... Columbus is going to be terrible. <laughs> Florida is going to be terrible. Calgary's winning. They're winning the Stanley Cup, you know, and they're they're terrible. You know, Huberto completely falls off <laughs> cliffs. I mean, his his numbers drop completely. Brett loves Kadri, it. Kadri love doesn't it. want to be there. They fire their coach. I mean, it, it's a train wreck. I, I don't know that. And, and I've I don't know that I've paid attention to hockey as much as I have in the last maybe like five years or so, but. Have we seen a team that's just fallen to pieces so quickly before, Maple like Leafs. the Flames? In two seasons, though? Even, I mean, Maple Leafs went. Go back once. I mean, last, even once. The last season. 26 years? In the first Did, round. No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. We're talking. So, like, best. I think what Tyson's trying to say is the, the Flames off. piled up these top yeah. players, right? They, so, they, like, they brought in Kadri, who's coming off a cup championship. They bring in Jonathan Huberto, who won. Who sorry, he didn't win. Well, he said he sorry he set a record for most assists in season for a left winger. Um, so they they looked like they were making like great strides via this competitive team, but they can't even make the playoffs. And they have Tyler Toffoli. They had Tyler yeah. Toffoli last I mean, they were year. Stacked. Yeah, they should have been um, really but good. But that that's what Tyson was trying to say. Is there another team that's like went full in on winning and just. It didn't well, work. that's what I'm saying. Like, you look at their roster, and they lost Goudreau, and then they lost to Kachuk, and you're like, oh, man. And they got Uyghur, and then they got Huberto and Kadri. And you're like, look at the team. Like, Lindholm and Kadri down the middle with Huberto. They got a couple. Coleman. Yep. So they got a, They got Sarangovich over there, too, now. And then you look at their defense. You got Uyghur. You got Rasmus Anderson. You got Chris Tanev. Hannafin. You got Noah Hannafin. And you got Markstrom. Ladar, He's not kind of an off. and that him. stud, and the stud in the AHL, Dustin Wolf. Like that, looking at that, that should be a, that should be a playoff team, and that's why I said 
I thought they underperformed last year, and I, I think the the players kind of stopped playing for Sutter, and that's what I was banking on coming into this year. And it, it is still just a disaster. They're just bad. They're just it's bad. A disaster. It has, they like like the fact that it's a different coach and it's the same. It's not even different issues. It's the same issues. Yeah. Wow. Um, like no will to play. That, that speaks no a lot about the players. Right. Oh. Well, maybe they'll ship them to Quebec. Sticking in the Pacific, uh, this one, very recent, this happened this week, Jay Woodcroft was released of his duties up in Edmonton. They brought in Chris Knobloch, who was the head coach for the Hartford Wolfpack, the Rangers affiliate in the AHL. Since they brought him in, they won, not no, not three, because they, they won a game with Woodcroft, you and fired then him. fired him, <laughs> and then... They, they, they lost that game against San Jose. They won the game against Seattle, fired Woodcroft, and then won two games uh, under, under Knobloch. They did just lose today Six to more. the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-4. to four. They were up in that game 4-3. to three. Nah. Still not looking good. No, game, no goals from Dreisler or McDavid, man. I'm not, I'm like, not going to fire shot. a guy. That's what I was trying Mc, to say. I'm not going to fire a guy. Something's got to be going on with McDavid. Yeah, I, I hope so. I don't know if I hope so. I guess I'm. I guess more. I'm saying I hope that he's his place just not dropped off and he's hurt because that dude he he's been the clear cut best player in the NHL and it makes no he's sense killing my fantasy team. It makes no sense for him to just fall off like this if he's not hurt. You know, killing my fantasy team, Connor. Come on, I'm glad you wasted the draft pick for it. Dude, everyone picked him first overall. They're first like, overall. They're like, you, you should have went with JT Miller, obviously. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you could imagine telling me that in the beginning of the season. You should have went first overall for JT Miller. I would have told you to go to hell. That's like, you probably got picked him up like in the third round or something. I did like Chris Knobloch when he was, because they had to keep him on the bench. I think it was when. David Quinn got COVID and the Rangers had him on their on their bench coaching the team and he won a few games with them, which I was surprised with. Um, and I know that Knobloch had coached Connor McDavid in one of his leagues. I don't remember which team it was for, the Erie Otters, yeah. I believe. Um, That's it. That's his junior so, team. So I think that, that a lot of people are speculating that that had something to do with why they brought in Knobloch. So I feel like Connor McDavid and... Ethan's kind of alluded to this in the past is like, where is the problem in Edmonton? I genuinely believe that they give Connor McDavid probably too much say as isn't his agent like they're not their not their jam, but somebody in their front office president, president. His former agent. Yeah. Now his former coach down at the Otters is his is going to be the NHL coach. And I'm not saying maybe he's not qualified for that, but what like, I, I think that McDavid maybe has too much control of the team, and I don't know that that's such a great idea. He basically LeBron the Edmonton Oilers at this point. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. No, I wanted I wanted to make sure you got your chance to say. Yeah, it, yeah, I think he is. I think he is. And so, like, because think about it, it's weird. And I, I guess no, it's not that weird. You, you lose to the San Jose Sharks. You're not going to send the guy. You're not going to pay the guy to go home. I'm going to fire him and send him back to, you know, to Edmonton while he's in California. So uh, you're going to wait till the end of the trip. He wins against Seattle. They fly back and he gets fired. For two days. I, no, I'm just saying that, like, why would you, you're not going to fire the guy and then buy his ticket to go home. You're going to keep him on, on the team and write it off and be done with it. But Rod Galante guy. yeah, and I don't know. It's weird. That's what I was about to say. 
I think they beat Seattle in Edmonton, though. I, I, oh, I did they really? That, but yeah, oh. no. Yeah, they were in. This was on the 15th. Okay, yeah, they were me. in okay, Edmonton. Well, then that's stupid. They should have fired him whenever they lost to San Jose. <laughs> well, I think they were in the middle of getting a new coach and then didn't have a new coach contract signed, so they had to keep him until it was finalized with non All the HR paper. You know what I mean? So, so, he couldn't, he couldn't yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But getting back to the whole LeBron, Lakers, Connor McDavid, Oilers thing, I mean, it's worked out so well for LeBron in L.A. I mean, why not, right? He won a championship oh. in L.A. They only won one championship. And it doesn't count. It was in the bubble. How many has McDavid won? doesn't count. It was a bubble thing, just like the, the uh, Lightning. doesn't count. But it, any te- every team had the same chance. But what I'm... That's Asterisk what Cup. I'm say, it makes no sense to say it's an asterisk kick. Every team had the same but chance. But my point... My point asterisk bringing Cup. Up that McDavid oh. might be the problem is that look at like a player like Wayne Gretzky. Like, okay, so he's this amazing talent. He's probably the greatest player to ever play the game. No arguments there. Probably. No, I just said no arguments there, Brett. Give me a second. So (laughs) then... That's all over us today. He had a coaching period. He did not do well. He had an ownership period. He did not do well. Just because Connor McDavid is probably the best generational talent we've seen in a while doesn't mean he knows how to operate run and set up yeah. a winning team and i don't think lebron james knows what that takes either i need to correct myself they were in okay. seattle uh oh. during that win and then went back to edmonton fired their coach played the islanders and then seattle came in so just want to make sure i correct well, myself that makes sense that. you should fire him when you get home because you don't want to fire him and then send him on a plane you don't want to buy a loser's ticket right <laughs> okay I got, I got, I got to yeah, bring this not, up. I got to bring this up. Not, freaking, not buy a cab for him. Freaking Florida Panthers with Gerard Gallant. They <laughs> lost in Carolina, and then just told the guy like, "Go take a cab." Like, it was freaking ridiculous. Didn't even get him an Uber, bro. <laughs> like the game's over. Get in the cab. Like they're, they're, you're not coming with the bus. Rough. Moving on into the Metropolitan Division, as I mentioned, we do have the Washington Capitals who got a new coach. The New York Rangers are doing very well under Peter Laviolette. Very they well. just won their game tonight against the New Jersey Devils. Go to hell, Devils. You guys suck. Jack Hughes scored, though. Uh, Woo! That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I'll take the, I'll take the W over, uh, over Jack Hughes uh, scoring the goal. I, he did, I only he did care, look really I only, good tonight, I though. only care about the scoring because it's just fantasy. So Rangers can win. That's fine. As long as Jack Hughes scores. <laughs> I really do like the way they're playing under Laviolette. So obviously you guys are pretty happy with the Rangers, the way the Rangers are playing. And I think that we could probably talk about that, you know, frequently. I think it's going to be harder to talk about how the Blue Jackets are playing. So yeah, I'm good. obviously Pascal Vincent has a pretty big, like, I mean, he's got a big job ahead of him because like, you don't want to go out and put a losing product on the ice all the time. But at the same time, they're in a position where they could tank and get a higher draft pick. So are you happy with the way if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan and you're eighth in the division right now, knowing that you could probably get another higher draft pick, are you happy with the way Pascal Vincent's playing or would you rather win every game as it goes forward? That's it. And, and I didn't think, I wasn't thinking about Columbus at all. This team is so weird. Yeah. Um, it's like, like this team has been trying so hard to be formidable. Like bringing in Gaudreau was like, What? Insane You're going to Columbus? An insane signing for them. Like nobody would expect somebody like that to go there. He has one goal. It didn't suck last year. They made huge additions 
to their defense, and I thought they were great additions. They brought in uh, Provorov, got Severson, and their defense looked really good. I mean, they already had good Branson, who they brought in on a slightly overpaid contract, but he's looked pretty good there. This kind of so surprising this team can't figure it out, and I guess, the, you know, they got Adam Fantilli out of this draft. I think he's going to be really good. They might end up with um, Celebrini. I think that's the um, main guy coming up this Macklin year. Macklin Celebrini, yeah, yeah. Macklin Celebrini, great name, great hockey name. You can pile up picks, but think about um, Edmonton. Edmonton with, I brought this up last week when they had Taylor Hall, Nugent Hopkins, and Yakupov in like, what, like, was that three straight years or was it, it like was within five, five years? years. Something, but Hall's played for now his um, fourth team, you know. Wait more than four. Edmonton, New Jersey, Buffalo, Boston, Arizona, and Chicago. Play that quick, quick cast. Who's going to be bought out first? Jonathan Huberto or Johnny Gaudreau? Huberto. Huberto, because I think... (laughs) That's a rough question. I think only because Gaudreau has less years on his contract. It's only one year less. I think that's the only thing. Because they're not going to... They can't buy him out now. They've got... Huberto's still... Including this year, he's still got eight years left. But I think Columbus could at least convince people to come play. You know, nobody wants to be in Calgary. Their entire roster wants to leave. You're not hearing that out of Columbus. And just thinking about the craziness. Just exactly. Think about the craziness they've had in their locker room. So, I, I, I mean, I think Columbus could at least convince people to come over. You know, like, hey, we have Fantilli. You saw what he did this year. Uh, Goudreau. And he's not playing well this year, but he's still a talent that people want to play with. He didn't do so bad last year. We're 15, 16 to almost 20 games into the season. So really we're, you know, getting getting to where we figured out where we're going to be. But I mean, he's got time to turn it on. I think they have potential. And I think that Columbus is legitimately going to try to build something versus try to give up on it. So I think Columbus, or I think uh, Calgary buys out Huberto first. How long have we been saying Columbus has potential? When they drafted Rick Nash, probably like think about they how made long the playoffs. That they've been saying this team's got potential. They made the playoffs. Like New Ted, York Rangers Sergei legend, Bobrovsky, Arte, Artemi Bernarin. Also, like, New York they, Rangers legend. But the, I guess they made the playoffs. Right. Then, they they were ex- yeah. they were still they were still competitive teams. They still made the playoffs. So I I mean. Yeah, that's true. That's How do you true. want to measure potential? You know, they're they're an expansion franchise. They're not historically great. Anytime they make the playoffs is a big deal to them. And I mean, they've made it out of the first round more times than the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs have in the last almost twenty something years. So, <laughs> I mean, relatively, they're a successful franchise considering <sighs> success. I feel like. They, that that their biggest accomplish so far is um, sweeping the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. Well, so I love yeah, that. That was awesome. That was amazing. Well, that's so far their biggest accomplishment as a franchise. As a Florida Panther and fan, the Bruins couldn't capitalize should, on that. You, as a Florida Panther so fan, far. Brett, you should you should hang your head on the small things. <laughs> we, the thing the with the Panthers right is we came. Are you talking about the Panthers? Yes. Dude, we're putting I like ninety percent fill, filling it up every every. Every year, every every game, sorry, not every year, clearly not every year, uh, but <laughs> we're we're filling it up right now. Um, the uh, going to the Stanley Cup final does help with that. The, this is South Florida, I probably have said this too many times, and if we have frequent listeners, you're probably sick of me saying it. But uh, South Florida fans, I am. They represent South Florida fans. South Florida, the South Florida fans are only there if their team's winning. That's how it is with the Marlins. 
That's how it is with the Panthers. That's how all all these teams, except football, because people care about football no matter what. Uh, but your basketball teams, like the Heat, they had trouble selling until they started winning a bunch of championships. Yeah, that's just that's South Florida for you. They only show up if your team's winning. Going back to Columbus, I think that the incident with Mike Babcock definitely didn't help this locker room. They've got a coach in Pascal Vincent. I'm not really too familiar with his history. I was just looking at it on Cap Friendly, and he was an assistant coach with the Winnipeg Jets from 2011 to 2016, and then he became associate coach with the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2021, and then became their head coach in September of this year after the whole Babcock incident. I don't really know if it's a coaching issue. I don't really know if it's a locker room issue, if the players are just not getting behind this guy, but I think that they absolutely have the potential. We've said that multiple times. They've got a really great guys on that team. I don't know what the hell is going on with Goudreau. He has one goal, like I mentioned, and it was an, an empty netter. He's oh, really? Assists. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was an empty netter. He's got five assists, six points in 17 games that they've played thus far. What the hell is going on with that dude? Well, I mean, but you you talk about Goudreau, and obviously they need the scoring, but, you know, I watched part of their game against the Capitals, and... Obviously, the Capitals aren't the Boston Bruins, but you, you know they they put on a yeah, competitive straight. game. They looked like they it put that on game. a pet- competitive game. They held the Capitals to one goal and then gave up an empty netter, so they lost four to three. I think was the final score, but um, you know they were competitive. They played a decent game, and I don't I don't watch a lot of Columbus hockey, but I think they're at least putting a product out there that people will watch. And I think that if they can get some kind of large free agency signing if they can get um, maybe you know a draft pick that's that's league ready that they could be a potential team that's in there to compete their hard part now is the same way that Calgary is you know Calgary's in that competitive Pacific I would say Montreal are the the metro is is next most competitive division in the league I would just like to point out that Jonathan Hubdo has triple the amount of goals as Johnny Goudreau. <laughs> winning <laughs> I would say a big issue you guys haven't mentioned yet is they don't have great goaltending. I know they've been running with mm-hmm. Elvis for a couple seasons now, and he's fine. I think that's. I think he's more of a backup. He shouldn't be their starter, and they've been trying to kind of force him into the starter role that he just doesn't have the talent for. That's just how it is. That'd be like if, if we're trying to run uh, Anthony Stolarz as our starter. Like, he's fine, but he just can't. He's not a starter. He's a backup. I think that he was a starter, though. I think Merzlikas was a starter, but he went through... I, I forgot the other goaltender that had passed away. He was really good friends with. Oh, that incident, I think that's yeah. really what's gotten him, because if you look at it since that happened, what was that going into last year? Oh, yeah. His, like, it was he's his totally best friend. Good. It was like his roommate, you know? And so he died in the summertime, and I, I think it was a firework accident or something like that. But Correct, I... Yeah. yeah, it was a July 4th I, Well, maybe incident. it was this... Maybe that was 22 that happened. Anyway, um, I, I don't think Merzlinkis has ever actually recovered from that. I think yeah. that, again, it's a story of potential with Columbus. I think Merzlinkis was promising. I think he did have the talent at one point, but I think now he can't get out of his own head. So he's a, he's like Jack Campbell. You know, like he's got a mental block going on or like Spencer Knight where Spencer Knight. there's something going on in their brain where they're just not comfortable. And I, I mention it, you know, time and time again that I play – pick up league roller hockey but i i mean not being comfortable in the net is definitely a factor in how you play and if merzlinkas can never really 
be comfortable living he can't really be comfortable playing so i'm not going to assume but his play has definitely dropped off since that incident's happened i kind of pulled up his stats because you know i kind of was like i guess aggressive with my comment there rude um his stats <laughs> his stats his first um professional season with the blue jackets did pretty well uh 2.35 goals against 923 save percentage those are good numbers but not been good so he's only gotten worse okay because last year he had a 4.23 when you see a four in your goals against average and you started 30 games that's not good um 876 save percentage and i think you could be right like but if if he doesn't have the mental capability to play they need to be doing what the panthers are doing with spencer knight and not have him play in the nhl like these when was his fall off these um i want to say it was 2021 2022 so uh that was i believe yeah yeah but if he live 20 so to that point like that sucks for him obviously i'm not gonna like like i wish that didn't happen but if that's causing an issue with your play your nhl team needs to put you in a lower level as a franchise until you can as a franchise you can't roll or risk your franchise because a tragic event happened at the end of the day you still have a franchise to run you still have tickets to sell and things like that Mm -hmm. and i know that that's so brutal to say but it's kind of the truth you know tragedies happen all the time but you know at the end of the day bills have to be paid and success has to be had so maybe they need to look at moving him but i i think that's what's really they don't have anyone yeah, to bring up. I know. They have to make a trade. Come on, there's there's got to be someone up. out there. They can make a waiver claim probably. They could try and make a trade, but right now in their system in their system, there's nobody. They've got Spencer Martin backing him up. He's not been good no. either. No, he has not. They've got Nolan Lalonde and Jet Greaves who are Dude, in their Jet farm Greaves? system. Jet Greaves, what a name. Bring him up right? just for but, the name, man. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you could do that, but currently he is playing in the OHL, and his stats are abysmal. He's played on two teams thus far. He's played for the Erie Otters and the Saginaw Spirit. For the Erie Otters, he played four games. You ready for this? You ready for this? 4.59 goals against average, .837 save percentage. On the Spirit, he's at 3.81 goals against average, .858 save percentage. You gotta think about the 80s NHL when you think about the juniors, because you got guys putting up like 150 points. You said the 80s? That's a Hall of Famer right Right, there. Right, that's what I was trying to say. 80s, like that's (laughs) decent stuff. Or butterfly style? Yeah, the Grant Fear was considered one of the best goalies in the 80s, but his stats are like they look terrible when you compare them to like the the Martin Brodeurs and the Patrick Waz and even now with the um uh, Andre Vasilevskis and the Igor Shesterkins. <laughs> but but those that still are not good. But I think I said this before when I guest appeared on the podcast in the past, but we were talking about potential trades that needed to happen. And I was saying that Merzlikas, and I talked about this the last time, I think Merzlikas is somebody that needs a change of scenery. And this was when the Canucks were playing just terribly and how we could maybe do like a one for one between Demko and, and Merzlikas or, you know. Oh, and that's never happened. Now. Right. Not that's now. not no. happening now. <laughs> like send Merzlikas <laughs> and like a pick or something like that over to the Canucks. Um, but no, that that wouldn't happen now. But I, I think that's probably ultimately what happens with Merzlikas. You see what potential he has. You dangle that with his age and then try to send him somewhere and hopefully he plays better. That's all you can do, really, if you're Columbus. I'm trying to think. Oh, give, give Edmonton. Let's go. 
Let's go dry for, for Jack for, and, for for Merz Lincolns and all your first round picks. They should have kept Jonathan Quick. They would have been better off. <laughs> <laughs> they should have. Very impressed with his play in New York right now. Columbus Blue Jackets legend. Jonathan. Are you are you going to admit you were wrong? Yeah, I'm. I'm okay with admitting. I'm my wrong. team's doing well, and I was wrong. New York's goaltending has been like you had Igor be hurt. I know he came back today, um, but he did. Igor was hurt, and you had both. Um, goaltenders step up in his absence so good good situation over there in new york jonathan quick killed it they had louis domingue come up it was so great. now that we start talking about goaltending in new york do we want to talk about their coaching change and just do you do you want to brag on them a little bit jesse give your your platform i see Cass shaking his head i don't want to talk about him either but i mean it's been kind of a build-up he's kind of framing us to do this it's funny because i actually have a friend who's like three times removed from peter laviolette they're actually related to him through marriage that's, That's kissing cousins where I'm from. Rhode Island, what do you expect? <laughs> Rhode Island's not one of the states you think about. With They're like Providence trashy, you know? Boston dirtbags, yeah. <laughs> to touch upon uh, Peter Laviolette, I mean, they're doing incredibly well. They're first in the Metro right now. They're 12-2-1. They've got 25 points. I mean, the the next closest team to them, I don't know if my stats haven't updated, but it, it it's saying it's the Capitals. Capitals and the Hurricanes are tied with 20 points, and then the Flyers... The Flyers are in fourth right now. It's crazy. Oh, I hate to say Washington it. must have just they won did. or something. They, they did. did. They, they beat uh, like yeah. So in the middle of recording, they were fourth when we started, and now they're second. And say that anytime somebody in Philadelphia has a good day, it immediately makes me sad. So anyway, proceed. Fly, fly Eagles, fly. But anyway, <laughs> from the second position in the Metropolitan to the seventh, they're only separated by four points. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tyson is That's a nuts. small chance in hell. That the Penguins can actually make the playoffs. But you got Washington do. with 20, Carolina with 20, uh, the Flyers with 19, the Devils with 17, the ugh, Islanders with 17, and the Penguins with 16, and no one cares about the Blue Jackets. Dude, the whole Eastern Conference is, is just a freaking juggernaut. It's nasty. <laughs> it's nasty. Yeah. Like yeah, let's see if we could let's see if we could bring the cup back to the Eastern shit. Conference this time. I really, I unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, I think Vegas is going to. I think you're nuts. How mad would you guys? Maybe be I'll if leave. Carolina win the cup. I'd rather Carolina win it than Vegas. Don't listen to this, Amanda. I would not. Anyone? I, anyone? No. Don't you? Ever I say imagine it. how no, intolerable those Vegas Golden Knights fans would be if they win two in a row. <laughs> They're already very Could you imagine how intolerable our fan base would be if the Carolina Hurricanes won? Our Carolina fans they would don't go. don't have that many fans that I see, so I'm okay with They're that. on our page all the time. They have to win an Eastern Conference final game before they can win the Cup, so let's concentrate on that first. So we're going to uh, close out our podcast with uh, just two similar topics to touch on. This is one thing that's a, a li- I thought it was interesting, and I wasn't aware of something. I, and me and Tyson talked about that we weren't aware mm. either. The away team for NHL teams always wear a white helmet. And I did not realize that was a rule. Um, I thought teams just chose to do that. But apparently the NHL has decided that teams can wear colored helmets for their away as long as it's not the same color as the home team. We saw the Toronto Maple Leafs wear blue helmets even though they were wearing their road whites. I thought it was a good look. I think the Panthers road jersey would really come together with a navy blue helmet. So... I'm excited to kind of see that change up. Oh, we saw the NHL take 10 minutes to review a goal. I wonder how many years they've been looking at this change before they actually made a decision on it. 
<laughs> so so like brett said like i didn't know this was a thing nor i mean i don't know why they care so much neither did i but i know that like most leagues you have to have like a submitted uniform so in the nfl there are they get down specifically to cleat colors so like maybe wow. it was antonio brown yeah. maybe it was another i have to figure it out but there was a, a receiver and he wore gold cleats and he was just he was so pompous he's like i'll just pay the fine i don't give it so like I think obj did that too OBJ, I think that might be the guy I'm thinking of. But my point is that like leagues do have to regulate this. And it's similar to like the third jerseys, like the Penguins this year are wearing their diagonal Pittsburghs on Thursdays, but they have to submit that to the league and they have to know. But I didn't know that they had a specific rule on helmet colors, which seems like the craziest thing to have a rule on. Did you say they were in the diagonal Pittsburghs just on Thursdays? Only on Thursdays. That is so freaking random. <laughs> Throwback Thursday, dude. I don't know. Like, <laughs> oh, weird. And on Thursdays, we wear the diagonal. On Thursdays, we wear the diagonal. I make, that's, that's my next meme. Next Thursday game, I'm throwing it up. Thanks, Jesse. Shout out to Jesse for that meme. But but overall, you know, we're talking about the rules and stuff. But what do you guys think about the, the look of it? I like the look of it because I, I thought it was cool because I think it adds depth to the just the way it looks on the ice with Toronto wearing the I just want to see pants. some freaking hockey. <laughs> Blue pants, blue helmets. I think it's easier to, not that it was a problem before, but to see. I think it's a cleaner look. I don't necessarily white like white to begin with, but I think teams should be able to make that decision on their own. I don't like white because I'm a slob. I didn't hate the Maple Leafs look. I thought it actually looked pretty clean. You hate the Maple Leafs cast, I know. No, 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 no. Well, yeah, but this is one of my wife's biggest gripes <laughs> about white being usually the away color. She's like, it doesn't make any sense with, like like Jesse said, I'm a slob. I'm gonna get a white jersey messed up. Why would I do it away from my home? Like that that's like her biggest gripe. What used to be I, like... if I'm a fan, I wanna see I don't wanna see white jerseys at home. I wanna see the, the team colors at my, my arena. That's how I always am. But in the AHL the last couple of years I feel like Providence has been wearing away jerseys at home, which kinda suck. Whites and uh, the NBA. Don't they do that. that across the AHL or are they are they doing colors? It, it could possibly be. I I that's the only AHL arena I've been to. I think AHL does white homes. I think I'm pretty, I feel pretty confident about well, that. While we're talking AHL, congratulations to Alex Nedeljkovic for scoring his second career oh, yeah. AHL goalie goal for the uh, baby pens. Nice job, Let's go. on recording that at the amp. What do you think the curvature on his stick is? Because like, if you watch the goal, he put that like dead center in that empty net. Swagger status. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we can move on to with Brett's fashion corner to talk about the Winter Classic jerseys if you're ready. <laughs> Yeah, um, terrible. Jesse's here. He's uh, you know, Rangers are his main team, but he, he uh, he's over in Seattle, so you're for the Kraken too. So he can definitely talk about this a little bit. Okay. I hate it, um, but it was leaked intentionally. I think. I think so too. The Winter Classic jerseys, just the way that it was, like the Utah Jazz. They had a couple players wear it, and then it was like on some. I, I the video looked like it was like a cooking show or something stupid like that. Um, it was a wrestling thing. A wrestling yeah, thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was cooking. I don't know. I just didn't look at it very long, I guess. But anyways, these videos came out releasing the jerseys, not the entire look. That will probably what we get unveiled later. But with the Kraken, they did what we all thought they were going to do. They paid homage to the Seattle Metropolitans. They went with a different color scheme that matched their current one. They went dark blue, light blue, and white. But then the logo was like the Metropolitan's colors with red and tan. So kind of clashing colors there. And then with Vegas. Hated. <laughs> and then with Vegas, this 
no effort was put into this jersey design. There's a V in the middle. There's a gold stripe at the waist and gold towards the top. I, I mean, that's there's some gold lines with a big V. It's no effort at all. It looks terrible. Yeah, the big V. So I'm personally indifferent with Seattle. I can go either way, but I think the Vegas ones are hot garbage. They're disgusting. They are terrible. They're muff garbage. So, so I think they're both disgusting. <laughs> the Seattle red, the S, that S, I think is hot. I think that's super cool. I was going to say, we said this about the Boston Bruins Centennial jerseys, how much they suck, and then we saw them on the ice, and we're all like, eh, I was it's just not that bad. So that. it's going to be interesting to say. I don't know. I liked them like. before they were on the ice. Well, so I, I think those the bold stripes that they're doing in the jerseys, I think will actually look good on the ice. I'm I'm agreeing with you. Something inside me just says somewhere in those stripings, because they have, you know, they have red Ooh, details. Something inside you? Something inside me. Something tiny. Anyway, they have red <laughs> details like piping in their home jerseys, their dark, their navy home jerseys. Yeah, something inside do. just says that it's there needs to be some kind of cut up of color in there. But... If I had to buy one or the other, I would probably lean towards Seattle's, not just because I like the team, but because I think it's it's a better looking jersey. But in my opinion, I think both teams drop the ball on them. There was more effort clearly put in with Seattle's. I think there needed to be though. There need right. They're calling back to the Metropolitans, and honestly, if you've right. seen the Metropolitans jersey, it's it's an ugly jersey. Yeah. Um, to start with, uh, it's just like a Christmas tree with stripes. Um, <laughs> the barber pole. Yeah. <laughs> I would almost rather them go all out with that and just just embrace the green and red and just right. That's it. what like that's almost like what Montreal exactly. did for the Centennial or not the Centennial, the Heritage Classic or whatever it is they play when they had the red, blue, and white barber pole. I would say just do it and and mm-hmm. and if you're gonna make it ugly, yeah. thick stripes anyway, just do the same color scheme. Ex- exactly. I feel like they were trying to do too much, trying to use the Kraken colors when, like we just said, they didn't have to mm-hmm. just lean into the Metropolitans. It's going to look the way it is anyway, you know? Well, Brett, you did that mock-up did. of the uh, the Kraken jersey with that red instead of the ice blue. And I liked that a lot more than I like the current iteration of that jersey with the ice blue. It just doesn't look good, in my opinion. I guess we'll have to just wait and see for it to be on the ice. But I, I'm leaning right now that I'm probably going to skip on trying to buy that jersey and hoping to see what the uh, the Rangers Stadium Series jersey looks like. Jesse, does this deter you from trying to get tickets at all? Knowing that the jerseys are going to look like No, I'm, I'm still looking at trying to get there because I've never been to an outdoor game before. I don't know if I'm ever going to have the opportunity to do so again. I really wanted to try and go back to New York this year to see that happening, but it's not likely. So I'm definitely going to try and get to that Winter Classic game. You have to game. try and start a GoFundMe and get a bunch of sponsors. Okay, got it. You're going to get a GoFundMe for me? You're going to... You can donate. You got you, homie. That'd be very nice. What a dude. Uh, what I was going to say with Stadium Series, teams take more chances with those ones because with the Winter Classic, you know, you've got that classic thing in there. So there's like this pressure to kind of pay homage to all teams. I mean, like I think about the first one with the Sabres and the Penguins. The Penguins just went back to their look when they first became a franchise. The Sabres did the same thing. So I don't know if Vegas is trying to pay homage to something with theirs. Um, they could be because of how boring it is. So like similar with Seattle, like they, they're, Hey, they're trying to pay homage to this team and they're, it is what it is. Um, with stadium series, there's no pressure to try to, um, go back and try to copy a design. They can just go full out. Like I really liked Washington capitals 
Stadium Series last year with that that big W with the eagle. I thought that looked awesome. You don't see a lot of jerseys like that. I want like that, that so bad. It's one of the best sick. ones in recent years. Yeah, so I, I think you're right to wait for the Rangers one because they love to go be really creative with those ones, and I, I hope they are. I went on a tangent here because um, the game was just on and they were wearing them tonight. How do you guys feel about the neon green for the Dallas Stars? Gross. Disgusting. I didn't see yeah, it. They've had it for a couple of years. Is it, is it different than the ones they've no, been wearing? No, no, it's, it's they're alternate this year. The Texas. I love those jerseys. I think they're sick. I think they're awesome. <laughs> I love those. Here's jerseys. okay, and here's if it wasn't an NHL level team, I would agree with you. And here's what I was getting ready to say with the stadium series jerseys. And Carolinas is a good example. That Penguins Flyers stadium series they they did was a good example. Speaking of the Dallas Stars jerseys, to me, they just feel almost like college jerseys. They don't feel like professional NHL level jerseys. They don't look like it, in my opinion. It, it just reminds me of the Dallas Texans, which is their like. Or AHL team. So, like, to me, it just doesn't look like an NHL-level jersey, in my opinion. Wait, what? They're what team? They're, they're what is it? The Dallas, not the, oh, the Stars. Texas Stars. The Texas, Texas Stars, Stars is what Texas it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're AHL team. And I just, I don't know. Bring back the yes, Mooderist. That's why I love, like, the reverse <laughs> retros and stuff like that. Like, like we were talking about the Pittsburgh diagonal ones. Like, they're so plain. Shout out Tyson. But they're so plain. It just it doesn't move the needle for me at all. Where like that Dallas jersey is absolutely sick. Like I love it. Like if it's I could so, find I one for cheap, hell. I will buy one in a heartbeat. Reddit. We can start Reddit a Reddit. Me for that. Too. I think I'm kind of I'm not sure what's making you think that they're not NHL level Tyson. I'm I'm not I'm not entirely. I think it's too not entirely bright. on board with that opinion. He's he's used to the well, diagonal. I don't, I don't need you to agree. I don't need you to agree. But for for one, to me, the Dallas green that they use, that Kelly green, is one of the sickest colors in the NHL. I love that green that they use. So I'm not big on neon colors. Okay, they're normal. Yeah, and I'm not big on neon colors to begin with. Anyways, I just feel like. If you're going to run a third jersey, the brand that you have as a franchise is so established that you could do something so much better. So the potential that they had to do for a third, this just does not fit up to what I think they could have done, I guess is what I'm saying. And I don't know. I think it's hard to kind of figure out um, what makes a jersey an NHL level jersey because we've seen so many crap ones. Think about that horrible Burger King jersey it's okay, well that do we, release that's what we want to talk about that's one of those right now because i i've got a really good one and this has been digging at me for a long time we ran that jersey poll on who's the best jersey and that absolutely terrible carolina hurricanes jersey oh the double flag one, one. i like that i that, love that that's one. Not my favorite that nice, me, is the part where we argue in the podcast great love it loves off let's go you can finish your point Tyson. Right, we were kind of i'm just saying you. that like if you were sticking to a jersey and, and you're not like a Toronto Maple Leafs, a Detroit Red Wings, or one of these like, you know, storied franchises, Blackhawks, yep. the St. Louis Blues, and you're already running, <laughs> you know, three or multiple colors in your schemes, then you need to go ahead and just embrace the colors that you're using. And I, I don't know. I just don't like the neon green for Dallas. It doesn't it doesn't turn the needle for me. It's I, I I can be the odd man out. That's cool, but I just I really I don't know. I don't like the neon greens. Not a fan. So Dallas had that. I don't want to use the wrong terminology, but where they had that like that ox head on it. Remember that in like the nineties for like their alternate. You, you talk about the mooderist. Jesse brought it up. The mooderist. I don't yeah, Mike the mooderist. Bring it back. Would you rather see that or the neons? 
I, I actually, I'm one of the few people that like the Mooterus, so I would take it back. They actually did that one that was like Zodiac, and they had like the stars into it, and it made like a Taurus sign. I would I would take that jersey back too. What's your sign? I'm a Gemini. Mooterus. Yes! Gemini squad, let's go. Before we sign off here on the podcast, um, we have had, I guess, some impact to the family here at Freeze the Puck, and I wanted to take the time to express our sympathies, our gratitude, and our love for um, our admin, who is a Penguins admin. His name's Rob, and he went by the hashtag getting a little rusty. He is suffering from ALS, and we expect that he will pass from complications from that. So Freeze the Puck family is sending some love over to the UK across the pond to the Barry family in honor of Rob and what he's done for our page. He's written some historical stuff for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was really a big help for writing our Rinktober post for the Penguins. And we spent a lot of time talking back and forth about hockey, which really brought us together, but mostly mental health. And he helped me at a time where I was really struggling for somebody like him to encourage me to continue and to be a positive influence in my life. And just spending late night conversations talking to him was really helpful for me. So from everybody here at Freeze the Puck Hockey, our hearts go out to your family. Rob, you were a big impact for the short time that you were with us on the page. We love you much. We love your family. We hope everything goes well for you. A quick update to this situation. Unfortunately, during the editing process of this episode, the Freeze the Puck Hockey family was notified on Sunday afternoon, 11-19-2023, that Rob did pass away in the company of his loved ones. We express our deepest sympathy to all his friends and family during this difficult time. We at Freeze the Puck Hockey appreciated the time that Rob spent with us, and we're going to miss him very much. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week.